Happy Mother's Day. This week, we explore motherhood from a sci-fi lens in the Netflix original, I Am Mother. I'm Chad. And I'm Matt. You're listening to episode 54 of We Used to Talk About This at Work. So it's funny how Francis from the Happy Girl Fan Girl podcast has made a liar of me, Matt. And how was that? So she said that that episode would be posted in two weeks. So I was like, cool, cool, cool. And then she messaged us out the blue saying, just kidding, that episode's out now. And we're like, what? So I record, we recorded talking about it's going to be on the, uh, it's going to be, um, the Wednesday after that episode drops or two weeks after it drops, whenever the hell I said, but it's already out. So listen to it, folks. It's good stuff. It's in the um, show notes of the last episode and it'll be in show notes of this week's episode. Yeah. If you don't like listening to me, listen to that episode because I don't do a lot of talking on that episode. Do you do a lot of talking on this show, Matt? More than I like to actually more than <laughs> I like to. <laughs> so uh before i forget um today if you're listening to this the day it release is free comic book day so go to your local library your local comic book shop um your local bookstore and you know support the industry get the free comic books but also buy some comic books that is a um a free plug to the comic books in general. A so, solid free plug. <laughs> so this week we have a guest and I'm, I'm wondering, guest, do you read comic books? I do in fact read comic books. Okay. All right. I so, have since I was about 12. All right. So this week, since this is our Mother's Day episode, you are a mother yourself and um, we would like to introduce Liz to the show. Hello, Liz. Hi, everybody. So Liz used to work with us, but she doesn't know who the hell Matt is. No, just some guy in the hall. <laughs> Actually, the more this goes on, she is kind of looking familiar. So like you said, well, be, be, be pro- before we talked, I've seen her before. But like you said, this is some passing, a head nod and a kept walking type of thing. <laughs> yeah, the That's friendly funny. little co-worker down the way. Yeah. <laughs> so Liz what kind of comics have you been reading in life like we're just on a, a side tangent right now so normally my wheelhouse always would consist of anything to do with x-men particularly scarlet witch okay or star wars anything to do with darth talon which one was that? Darth Talon is the Twi'lek Sith that you will see commonly as a statue or a side figure. She um, has marking like Darth Maul, but uh, the markings are actually tattoos from the master to the trainee as their training progresses. So like, that's why they both have the same marking. She's the right hand of the Sith for a period of time before everything goes to shit is this some old republic stuff like let me rephrase that yeah this is she is no longer canon i should say 
actually she is because of the fact that the um the code of the sith and the codex of the sith was in the tree in the movie whenever the lightning hit it is actually now canon when you say the movie you mean the last jedi yes sorry no you're fine you're fine okay uh, she cute yeah she is isn't she she's badass mm. So, Liz, I was talking to you this morning, and um, I'd asked if you listened to the podcast before, and you said, yeah, but mostly you listen to true crime podcasts. Yes. And I want to know why you aren't at CrimeCon right now. Because CrimeCon involves going around people. Mm-hmm. And I still as, kind of As like most cons not, do. I, I still kind of like the not people aspect of life. Okay. <laughs> Okay. So, that is so true. Like when I go out, I'm like, I just want to get in, get out. I hate being with people. <laughs> yeah. I have like this much of a people battery anymore. So it kind of gets depleted a little quicker. <laughs> All right. Cons aren't like I might. I'm we've talked about going to Comic Con this year, but it's still very up in the air. San Diego or one of the local ones? Just St. Louis is since it's coming to St. Charles. Uh, when is that? June? Uh, June or July. I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. Well, you have to let me know if you go. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Going back to the true crime podcast. Uh, can you give me a couple, one or two that you listen to? One, two, or three? Uh, my absolute favorite is uh, Small Town, Small Town Murder. Because uh-huh. they're insane. They're just the absolutely most ridiculous stories that you would ever think of from small towns. And my town was actually one of the podcasts. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. So that was a weird read or listen. Um, There's two girls in a murder, I think is the one, but I mainly just listen to small town because they release two a week. Uh So I have like a rotation of two that i listen to and other than that it's the same playlist of like 20 songs how long are these podcasts normally to where they drop two a week i want to say they're only an hour they're not super super extravagant but they there's a lot of research they do on the crime and the people around the crime but they have like yeah it's weird because the place we used to work at, I used to, I went through this phase when I was listening to true crimes and it's wild. Like some episodes are wild. And then I listened to one where it was an ongoing investigation. So like week to week, like they will update. Right. It was like, they, it was updating. And like after, in, after end of every episode, they were like, oh yeah, if you have any information about the this uh, killing of this person, contact the LAPD because it was in California. And like I'm what I'm listening like week to week and they end up catching the person like when I say this like it was podcast people broke the case open through their own investigation and they provided the information to the police and they're the one who caught the person who did it. It was amazing. So it's a regular um, only murderers in the building. Yes, but not as funny as that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i like the funny ones uh, there's ooh. another one it's not true crime it's called lore though that one's really good l-o-r-e yeah i think he even has an amazon series now that's cool 
and then Critical Role. That is not a true crime podcast. No, that's a D&D podcast. Um, and I rotate through those. Okay. Well, I guess that kind of transitions us to the... Um, your, your first topic, you're into D&D, huh? Oh, yes. Yeah. We've had a single campaign going for five years now. You know, this D&D campaign is the reason why it's taken you this long to be on this podcast list. It is very true, yes. Because that recently has taken precedence over everything. So can you tell us about what the campaign is that you've been working on? Yeah, so I am a rock gnome, which is like this big. Okay. And and, uh, no, they're like three feet tall. But we are a rough and tough bunch of misfits that found ourselves in a tavern with a guy that wanted some help in a local cave. And it has since expelled from just taking care of some bad guys at this local cave with this little bitty gang leader that wanted to take over the town to now we are attempting to save an entire country from a band of fire giants looking to overrule the world and have just woken an ancient lich that is going to take over the universe. And that took, that's, that's five ongoing years? Five ongoing years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And the reason why it's gotten so insane lately is our, our DM who lives in town is moving down to St. Petersburg, Florida. So we're going to have to do, switch over. You to said, you said your DM, what yes. does that mean? A dungeon master. The one that has created this entire world and does the narration of the story, basically. I learned my sole knowledge of D&D is based off Stranger Things. <laughs> Pretty oh. accurate. That's actually what started us. Oh. <laughs> before Stranger Things came out, um, I had played before in high school a little bit, but it had been a long time. And... Um, the DM was always kind of interested in it. And he always kind of get um, real excited about new stuff coming out that used to be the thing you would be picked on for in high school, basically. So we got together and we thought up a group of people that we figured would enjoy the game. So it's myself, my husband, him, two of our best friends, and then um, my DM's little sister and husband and we've been playing it strong except through covid for five years we started doing it virtually through covid which was difficult <laughs> why is that he builds so you don't have to do this for D by any means okay but our dm is a super fancy guy so he built all of our settings he builds trees, grass, rocks, domes, um, buildings Ooh. our little characters can walk into, lit up lava pools. Like he makes it a completely immersive world. And he's really amazing at it, but it doesn't translate good virtually. So he spends like bajillions of hours and time and money on these things. And then you see it on screen and it's just like, oh, That's okay. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, it's it's my role. <laughs> yeah. 
So whose role is it? Whose whose initiative is up? But right. when you're in person with it, it's insane because like we have an eight person dining room table specifically for D and D. Okay. We don't actually eat at the table. It's just there for D and D, and it will take up the entire table length. Some of these fights and settings that he's built. That's really cool. In the last like what five six years, I have um been into this what they consider the nerd culture. Because before, um, I guess growing up, I shied away from that nerd shit. Those are for <laughs> lames. Right? I'm a cool kid. But now, within the last six, seven years, honestly, majority through Chad, I have uh, embraced the nerd culture into things that I thought was lame. Now I'm in it. This shit, like any Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, all the different Star Wars. I'm going, I'm in my Star Wars journey. All because of Chad to where before I thought, oh, that's that nerd shit. And now I'm a nerd. I I love it now. Well, we don't, some Star Wars, not all of them, some Star Wars. Uh, I can understand that, don't worry. Yeah, so, but I would love to play some D&D and see how that goes. So Chad, uh, I need you to uh, set this up. In 2024. 20, that's when you're back in America. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I can do that. Um, I mean, I guess it'd be a little harder since you don't intend to move back to St. Louis. So you need well, to make I, some friends where you go. I do intend to move back to St. Louis. And now it's all left if there's some jobs for me in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I uh, I can help with that because um I couple of years ago i was like oh yeah i want to try that i i played of well uh, me and, and a few of friends we started a campaign and so it was fun but we never finished it um, dude the best way to go about it if you just want to test out is look up a pre-made one shot they have tons of they actually have one specifically that is the stranger things game hmm. okay. you just it's it's like um normally normally they're like four hours four to six hours you sit down you already have a made character you already have a made story plan and then you just play through it but that was how ours started and then it like divulged to more which you can do or you can just have it be that pre-made one shot so there's a lot of freedoms with testing it okay i i I want everything nerd related i want to at least tip my toe in it to see if i like it yeah we gotta get you to a convention it's a very welcoming culture i i like nerddom more than saying um yeah pretty much anything else i just it's all warm and fuzzy if you get down to it and then you get the opinionated jerks that make us sound bad well actually yeah those ones yeah um, in the realm of D&D, uh, Elden Ring, you are someone that enjoys, um, what is it, um, masochism? So is, that, is that the right term, Liz? Yeah, that would probably be accurate for being an Elden Ring and Dark Souls player. I yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a brain-beating game, for sure. But it's beautiful. Like, I'm kind of watching a little bit of it right now, and it's like, 
the picture is beautiful. The story is so intricate, especially with Elden Ring, because R.R. Martin helped write along with the story of it. That's not a badge of honor. I mean, I know that he announced. His fanciful world is. I know he announced that the next book is coming out next year, but that man needs to be writing. He does everything but write. Yeah, uh, and and for those that aren't aware, JJ JRR Martin is the man that wrote the um, Song of Ice and Fire books, or the masses would know it as Game of Thrones. And so he's is it one book left or two more? I want to say it's two. So he has um, the last book came out like around season one of the show, mm-hmm. and people have been waiting. A decade for the next book and, and he he's keeps postponing he's just been jet setting and partying and doing everything but writing this next book so when but you I'm say okay with it because i got this game so when you're like oh yeah man he helped write a video game why he needs to be writing a book so i totally agree with you but i do appreciate the touches he has done because he comes up with some crazy concepts like the creators of dark souls bloodborne Serco, what are the um, Demon Souls like? All of those people are that that team. They have some of the wildest fanciful characters, creations, settings, landscaping that I've seen in a game. But like what they did in this game is insane. Yeah, like so many little things. Like you could pick up a trinket that has to do with something on the other side of the map and could unlock an entirely different ending to a game. Like there's eight different known endings to this game right now. And that's only like the known ones. As you divulge through different quests, like your whole story of the game can change. Have you, So have either you or your husband beat the game yet? So my husband has beat it and he is probably two thirds of the way through playthrough two, okay. because this game, the more that you play through it, the higher the difficulty gets right um i am literally at the last boss and i have attempted to fight him 27 times now and have not been able to <laughs> so i know that um and w- this is a roguelike correct you are right about the term okay so when you die is there any checkpoints no no it's not yeah. a checkpoint but like Some okay points. Yeah, so what, what I'm trying to say is like, so when you've died 27, 26? Yeah, 27. 27 times on this final boss. When you respawn back in, are you in the very first area or is oh, there no. a way? Okay, there's a way no, to be. I'm, I'm like 15 feet from the, the boss entrance. Okay. So, and I can like leave. You There's fast travel points and stuff like that so i'm not even stuck at that point like i can go do other things in the game still there's still stuff i haven't done but as far as the main storyline goes this is my stopping point but yeah i like you save and stuff like that it's just sometimes in certain parts there's long points between saves okay okay that doesn't sound so bad like I um you you you're an Xbox household, but um, yes. um I played Returnal on um PlayStation Five, and um it's basically a game where like it's a roguelike game where you die, you go back to the first area. Okay. And so I, I I've been 
borrowing games from the library. So I borrowed it from the library and it took me a week to get to kill the first boss because I kept dying. And so when I got to the second area, I, I kept dying. But when I would die, I would respawn in the second. No, I think no, I think I still had to respawn in that first area. But there was a way to like uh, there was a portal you could go to to quickly get to the second level. Oh, you yeah, just like had you just had to not die before you got to said portal. Yeah, that sucks sometimes. So that's like fun. that's not really my my tempo, me personally. It has aspects like that, like in certain areas, but overall, like it's one of those games that if you don't have gamer skill, you're not good at. Right. Like it's really just that simple. If you're not used to playing games, it's gonna be really difficult for you. But how they did this game it wouldn't be hard to learn. Like, it's really easy to pick it up as you're going through doing what you would need to do in the game anyway. Like, they almost blended a tutorial with gameplay. Matt, have you played a game of that type where if you die, you have to start over? Not since it's regular Nintendo, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, honestly, I don't even think, like, because I know uh, Laurent was playing that uh, Nocturnal game, and I was watching him play, and yeah, you die and you have to start all over? Nah, I wouldn't be here for that. Give me a safe spot. <laughs> right. There, yeah, so, no, that's where I am. Um. So, Matt, from what I understand, you took Jared's advice and started Arcanine? Yes. Um, Arcane, Arcanine, I'm not sure how you pronounce yeah, it. Well, yeah, well, I just named a Pokemon, but yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Trust, trust me, uh, as soon as Jared hears this, he'll send us a message. Right. You said so the name of that said, show wrong. He said it, correct me if I'm wrong, he said this is the best show, he's in his seen. opinion, that he's ever seen on Netflix. Right. So that's a pretty big thing. So I was like, let me check this out. Have you seen the show, Liz? No. Okay. But I'm curious. First things first, the visual, it's hard to describe because it's like, it's kind of drawn, mixed with computer animation. I don't know how you describe the artwork, how they did it, but whatever you call that, amazing. More, more anime should be like the way they drew this up. Now, I'm not done yet. It's nine episodes. I'm on episode six. Storyline wise, very good storyline. Like he's right. I know it's based off the League of Legends game. Also, I did some research. League of Legends is a computer game. It's like a role playing game. Mm-hmm. It's weird how they created this show off that. But may move on. But overall, it is a very good show as of right now. Now, am I going to say it's the best show on Netflix ever? No, we don't need to get too crazy. But as of right now, it is a very good show. Animation is amazing, top notch. Storyline, I give it a seven point eight. But overall, um, so far, I recommend it. it. It is very good. I'm not. I would not say it's the best show on Netflix, period, or anything like that. But it is a very good show. I mean, honestly, you could change your opinion once you finish the series, though. Yeah, because endings are important. Right. Maybe this ending is gonna be mind blowing, and I'm like, fuck no. This is a ten point one. Mm-hmm. Who knows? We'll see. Um, did I write CinemaCon on your stuff or did you write that with a question mark? I, I wrote CinemaCon because when okay. I was doing this this week, I was like, oh, CinemaCon. And I read all this stuff about it. 
And I was like, oh, this would be something good to talk about. Is but this because like, of that article that I shared? What article did you share? Uh, yeah, what uh, article? I sent it to you. We talked about it, Liz. Well, I know we talked about it, but I don't remember you like sharing anything. Well, no, no, not. Oh, publicly. not on. Okay. Uh, about Olivia Wilde when she was doing her CinemaCon presentation. Oh, yeah. She had presented the papers. Yeah. She got served. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, not because of that. But um, the thing is, because I've never heard of a CinemaCon before. Okay. I didn't either. And, right. So then I looked it up and, you know, that's when all the movie uh, theater people get together and they try to promote their future stuff. So I put it on mm-hmm. here because I was like, uh, did you want to talk about it? But then, like, as I was doing my research and I'm like, I thought it was going to be like the highlights. I was like, oh, they showed first 15 minutes of Doctor Strange. They showed this. They showed that. And then I went through it and every fucking studio had some stuff i was like ah this might be too much to cover right no so it's so it's not is it is not a a convention for the public it is for theater owners or people that work in the movie theater industry to select their movies and stuff yeah and the studios are presenting to them be like hey this is what we've got coming up you know we love you so much thank you for housing our, our, our our movies as a treat here is they saw they got to see all of the new Top Gun movie, um, and then apparently yeah. Tom Cruise he was he couldn't be there. Did he do a backflip? Oh, did he? So he couldn't be there, but he filmed a video where he was sitting on a biplane while it was flying in the air, and then he transferred himself from one biplane to the other in um, Tom Cruise fashion. I love that. He's, um, that seems right up his alley. He's it too does. much like this. I top. I I'm not personally a fan of the first Top Gun. I feel like it was like a little too long. But I really hope this movie makes money because you know Tom Cruise. Because he's Tom Cruise. He's 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 flying the fucking jet himself. That's not footage. He learned how to fly a fucking jet for this movie. And then him and also his co- co-stars in the movie, like they're directing their own cockpit parts. Like they had to film that shit themselves. This movie cost a lot of fucking money. So it kind of should make some. My brother's stoked about it. They hope it will. I mean, not in the next Mission Impossible, but the one I, after that. Like, real talk, this is not me, like, exaggerating. There's another one? Yeah, there's going to be two more. At least two more. They're, they filmed them back-to-back during COVID. Oh, my goodness. Okay. He. I wasn't so, prepared for that knowledge. So not the next <laughs> one, but the one after that. He's been talking to the space program because he wants to go to space to film some stuff. And somebody's got to fucking pay for this. Go for me. Tom Cruise don't fuck around with these movies these days, guys. Apparently. So he, Tom think... Cruise wants to go to space for the for not the next Mission Impossible, but the one after that. He's got some fear of missing out. Like, whoa. Yeah. That's insane. I don't understand how these studios are even insuring him. Yeah, for real. That's got to be ridiculous. Right. So you want Tom Cruise to jump from space back to Earth? And what if he dies? Like who? How, how do you gotta, handle? We go out of Tom Cruise just died on your set. How do you handle that? 
Hey, man, it's going to be a glorious end to Mission Impossible. It will. You know, that's real. That is that's so real. True. And he would probably sign something like, if I were to die during filming, use the footage. Yes. Right. Yes. This is how my character dies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any other CinemaCon thoughts? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming out. Um, I'm looking forward to everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now, everything looks pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more thing. Um, did you hear about the director dropping out of Fast 10? Uh, it was uh, Justin Lin, right? Yeah. He's, he said he's, he's, tired. Uh, he's sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. Because I guess apparently the script was written. Uh, what's his uh, sister's name? I mean, uh, yeah, his sister or Vin Diesel's sister in the movie. Oh, uh, Jordana Brewster. Uh, yeah. Uh, whatever her they were, name is. Yeah, she was not written in, in the new in the new script. And then so Vin Diesel pressed him to put her in the movie. Uh, I don't know if that has anything to do why he's dropping out or anything because he didn't list like specific reasons. But so now it's they got to find a new director now. I don't get how you know you got a you got an ensemble cast of like twelve people now at this point, and like I get the want to be like oh, okay Mia. I think her name is Mia. That's it. I get the the want to be like oh yeah we're gonna use the most necessary characters, but like this is not a franchise that has established like restraint, right? Right. Especially since uh, this is the quote unquote, this supposed to be the last one. Of course, this will be the one where you have everybody in there. Right. So I don't I don't get that. Right. I mean, unless <laughs> unless they're trying to low key recast her as uh, Brie Larson. <laughs> <laughs> so have you heard of uh, fictosexual? Are you familiar with that term? No. no. Is this something that we need to know or else we're going to get canceled? Nah, uh, I was going to say no, but I guess you should know all of these terminologies in life. But basically, fictosexual is somebody who is attracted to a fictional character. Oh, okay. We have yeah. to have a name for that? Apparently, I mean, there's a lot. I did not know this until I read this story. So there is uh, a lot. But there are certain ones I want to bring up because it involves us, Chad. Us. So, yes. Oh, okay. There is a... <laughs> there's a, there's cartosexual and that's an attraction to cartoons slash comic characters. Okay. You have booklosexual attraction to novel visual novel characters. But then hold on, we are imagined sexual, the attraction to fictional characters no one can see, i.e., book characters or podcast characters. <laughs> Oh, okay. I'm listening. I'm listening. Look, you're all excited now. Right. So there's a lot of these um, groups that fall under different categories. And I bring all of this up to say in my Japanese news story of the week, we have a Japanese man who married a hologram in 2018. And now he's saying... A Japanese man married no, I heard a hologram. You. I heard right. you. I'll repeat it one more time. Is he that dude uh, from Archer, the uh, the tech guy? Oh, <laughs> basically like that. Ba- it's basically that. So 
but now he's saying their relationship is struggling with communication. So his name is Akihiko Kondo. He's 38 years old. He works at a middle school in Tokyo. So he married the hologram, uh, Miku, and by, it's created by a computer software in November 2018. Wedding cost $17,000. So now he was being ridiculed by his uh, co-workers and things of that nature. So then he basically became, he was being basically being bullied. He became, he became in slump, depressed and everything. He found the hologram and he just feels like that hologram. It's kind of like, imagine a hologram with um, Siri, where like, you know, you say something and then she responds back type of thing. So then he uh, married her and then he even has a life-size um, doll of her where he goes out and, you know, take pictures and, and things like that. That's a nice way to put that. I've seen that article. I kind of feel like he stopped doing the updates to her if the communication is being the problem. Programming might be off. Right. So uh, this got me thinking, no matter what you think might be crazy or wild or there's always somebody into something. Yeah. That's true. That's fair. Every, you know, we all have our kinks. And speaking of kinks, Chad, what's up with you and Pokemon Legends? That's a quite a <laughs> I like that segue. Every week with the just <laughs> and I'm not cutting these either. It's like that, that's that's gonna be your thing, clunky segues. <laughs> you know, I've been uh borrowing games from the library and they're like, Hey, you know, you got two weeks with this game. Sometimes it'll auto-renew, sometimes it won't. But a lot of the time, like, I've been like reserving like popular games. So like these, like I reserved Pokemon in January, and I just got it. Oh jeez! Okay. And so um, I got the game, and I was playing through it as much as I could. But you know, life was getting in the way, and so um, like two, like like this past Monday was two weeks. So I, I took it back to the library and dropped it off. And so I was like, okay, well. I played as much as I could. And so then I, I opened up the app because I was like, oh, yeah, I want to um, reserve the next game I want to see. And I looked over on the, like the whole tab and I was like, oh, yeah, man, you know, we auto renewed that shit one more week. And I was like, but I, I, I just, I just put it in the Panda. fucking box. Aww. Um, Bad Panda. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no. So um, I didn't like this game, honestly. I didn't I didn't finish it. I didn't care for it. So this is different than um, previous Pokemon games where like you start off in the town, you get in the badges, you beat the whatever league. Right. Yeah. Um, and this one, you wake up in a field because like it's heavily alluded to that you're from the future and you are in the past. And so like things are different. Like this is when people don't trust Pokemon. So like there's no leagues or anything like that. Not a lot of people have Pokemon. The technology for Pokeballs is like super new. And the point of the game is to go around and catch Pokemon. It's like it's like a little mix of Pokemon Snap where like, yes, you want to complete the Pokedex, but the Pokedex has objectives. So it may be like get five of these one kind of Pokemon or defeat five of that same kind of Pokemon also. Or when you're battling that Pokemon, have it do this attack while you're fighting it. 
or you use this type of attack or this type of Pokemon. Like it was just like these arbitrary um, tutorial uh, uh, objectives. Yeah. yeah. And so like that, I wasn't feeling. And then it's just like, it's 2022 Nintendo. I do not want to read all this text. Right. Yeah. So it's like, I'm trying to think back to our days of playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. And yeah, there was no real audio, but it's like, it wasn't as text heavy as I remember like Pokemon being, cause it's like a straight up RPG where you got to talk to people and stuff, but like breath of the wild. Yeah. You had to do the tutorial stuff, but once you left that first little Island, it's you just were... like do stuff. You want to go, go in that find maps. Yeah. You want to go in that cave, yeah. go in that cave, climb that mountain, just do whatever. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, just now cool. while it's raining. <laughs> right. But now it's like, oh man, like, all right, go into the world. Cool catching pokemon and then it's like oh hey some people messing with some pokemon over there let's go let's go stop them let's tap a tap a click through uh, all this talking click through all this talking like yeah i don't i don't care i don't fucking no. care see that's what i liked with breath of the wild was like for those segments when it would be a lot of dialogue you had to read through they just did a cutscene that you had to read through <laughs> but even with that it did you have to click through it um actually i think you could i think it's been a long time since i played it Do you i know now that? i can't remember because i thought i thought it would just play but now i can't remember but yeah it was audio you didn't have to read through it they, they didn't listen. speak they didn't speak they, they did speak, their mumble, they didn't mumble, speak mumble. english yeah there's so no had to, so I, you, had to, you had to read through that i don't yeah. remember this yeah i do feel like though it wasn't as intrusive as it was because i only the last one i played was pokemon pearl okay and even with that one it was just like you would be able to actually play the game for like five minutes and then you had to sit through 20 minutes dialogue right and it's like it's just like i i personally was not somebody that played the game to catch them all like i haven't caught them all in over 20 years like right. whenever... i did that once when it was real and now it doesn't count anymore because they're insane right like I, I know I did. I know I caught them all on like Pokemon Blue, maybe Pokemon Gold, maybe Gen 2, but I know definitely the first generation. But it's like, yeah, that's not, I'm not trying to play like that. But like, if you want to level up your Pokemon outside of battling or advance, because it's like, since you can't have badges, you have to like complete so many objectives in that Pokedex to like to be able to go, yeah, and catch stronger. Well, you can catch any. If, if you can catch a Pokemon, you can catch a Pokemon. But like, you know, like this level 30 Pokemon won't listen to you unless you've done X amount in your Pokedex. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like you. stuff like that. It's like, I don't condemn you for trying something new, but this just is not for me. I'm not saying that I wanted it like the old way. I'm just asking at for, at the very least, can we get some damn voice acting? Man, okay, so I think Sword and Shield was perfect. It had a good little mix with that open area and a good mix of the old game. If Yeah, if they took something like that and a little bit less reading, I think it would be awesome. But they're trying to compete with these open world games now. And as they should, that's where things are yeah. going. But like also Nintendo, like you got to put a voice to this stuff like i remember like the opening of sword and shield 
where it opens like on a battle like a cutscene battle yeah but then you're like okay cool why am i reading yeah but no that's totally valid so yeah um also i caught a couple movies this week um the first one was chinatown um uh, directed by roman polanski fuck roman polanski um he's a fucking human piece of shit and we can talk about that after the show if you if either you have questions on that but um yeah i watched it because uh, a lot of things that i was seeing were saying like there were a lot of elements from chinatown in the batman and i was on that the batman high last week you know and i've never seen the movie before and it's really good but i haven't felt that sad at the end of a movie in a really long time um so this movie came out in i want to say 1974 and it's a noir film so like it came out in 74 but it's set like in the 30s like before world war ii and it's like the classic like woman comes into a privatized office for help but there's more to everything than it seems and like there's a larger conspiracy at play and when we get to the ending have have sorry have either of you seen this movie Mm-mm. no so when we get to the ending and like it's just like sad sad and i'm like jesus like as it's all bad for everybody like the main character actively made things worse like you know that um that whole i wouldn't say it's a theory but like that whole thesis statement about how in indiana jones and the um raiders of the last arc where they say like if you remove indiana jones from that movie you get the same outcome the opposite applies here if you if you actually remove jack nicholson's character from chinatown you get an almost happy ending oh damn yeah uh but yeah it's quite good it's on hbo max um watch it if you want but fuck roman polanski um i also watched paddington one and two um paddington one was really cute paddington two until april of last year had a 100 percent on rotten tomatoes whoa now, now it's that and the movie came out in 2017 so for five years the movie had a 100 percent on rotten tomatoes until some piece of shit fucked it up and over some bullshit stuff too but i watched paddington 2 i laughed i thought it was really cute i fucking cried at the end the movie's beautiful watch paddington 2 watch the first one then watch the second one okay is a hundred percent worth your time and you will feel all of the feelings is a reason why it was a hundred percent for five fucking years man that's insane for five years and then like the reviewer he just came in with some bullshit about how like you know this isn't the paddington that i grew up with that kind of shit oh yeah those guys yeah what made you want to watch paddington um when we saw that Nicolas Cage movie they brought it up a few times and so we were like okay well what they talking about there yeah Mm, okay now it's things sounded random like let me watch Paddington (laughs) (laughs) no I mean I heard it was like really good but then like I've heard good things I just never saw it I highly recommend it it is cute as shit I like those um yeah 
but it, it's, it's well worth your time. All right. And speaking of worth our time, um, Moon Knight, guys. Yeah. <gasps> so, you know, um, got hard, hardcore confirmation that um, uh, Moon Knight is Jewish. Uh, we got that in spades this week. Um, yes, we did. Hard in your face. So let me ask this question. Do you guys feel that, do you guys, after everything that we saw in this fifth episode, feel like this is real? Or do you, or is there still some leg to stand on that this could still be all in his head? No, I don't think it's in his head. I don't know. Because there's this confrontations with each other. Because the whole confrontation between him and himself and Steven and him seeing what led to him being him and everything. I feel like, I mean, I guess that could happen in his head, but it just feels like it, it wouldn't happen in his head. I feel like it's a yes and no. I understand the defense mechanism he used, like, you know, how Steven came about to be. So, I can kind of see how everything that's going on in that moment is how his brain perceives it. Um, Going to the field of reeds, everything of that nature, because it was his nostalgia, so to speak, to touch on earlier when I said nostalgia was a big old cuddly blanket. (laughs) Like Stephen Grant was his cuddly blanket because that was his happy place and his happy thing with his little brother. But like... I also think even though it is like a known psychological response to that at the same time that it is all real, the aspects of it that seem like they would be more the reality are more what his brain is creating. Like I think they're trying to to trick the audience into believing a different aspect of what's going on is real than what's really real. I'm with you. Um, So I just asked the question just because that's kind of like where we've been kind of dangling the last episode and a half, but I, I, oh, yeah. I don't think that this is in his head either, but I mean, they're doing a good job in my opinion of sowing doubt. Cause like oh, neither yeah. one of you can say for sure, which way it's going. And I feel like that's some solid writing. Yeah. I, I think this has been some of the most phenomenal writing that Marvel has done in a short time for character development. Yeah, and the acting like he is uh what's, what's the actor's name? Let me get Oscar Isaac. Isaac from from Poe from Star Wars. Dude. Uh, he he is acting <laughs> his ass off in this movie. I mean, in the show, especially this like at the end where he goes to his mother's uh, funeral, but then he doesn't go, and then he breaks down and crying, and next mm. you know he has that turn, and then he's Steven. Like that is just some great acting. I really, I was, I was talking to people about that, how it, like that last episode, if nothing else in his career shows his scope as an actor, that was impressive. Right. It was sad too, like where oh, Mark is telling him, don't go up the stairs and he keeps going up the stairs, seeing something different. And then he finally gets up there and then his mother comes in with that belt. It was like, 
He told you not to go upstairs. You don't need to see this. <laughs> so I just want to jump in for one second. Uh, so it's not a funeral per se. In Jewish customs, it's called a shiva. I want to put that clarification in there for any of our Jewish Jewish audience members. And I don't want any text messages from friend of the show, Rachel. What's the difference? Uh, so a, a setting of respect. So a, a shiva is a seven day Jewish mourning period um, during which friends and family visit those who are mourning as an act of support and friendship. So it is like a funeral, yeah. but it's longer. It's more like oh, okay. the after funeral when people would congregate at a house for coffee and bring the casseroles and stuff. It's that for a week. Right. And if you're super strict, I believe that the direct family members have a certain role to play where there's like certain seats they have to sit in for periods of time as a sign of respect. Oh. If you are incorrect, I'm sure we will hear about it. And I'll yeah, say this, and, I'll, and I'll I'm see very sorry if I am. <laughs> I'm very sorry if I am. I've never participated in one, but I've I've read it a couple of times in passing. So my I'm a little bit confused on a part though, because um Stephen, sorry, Mark created Stephen for his happy place when things were happening that were bad right mm -hmm. but i feel like that should be that's backwards because steven doesn't remember the mom coming in and and beating him but that's the personality that he flipped to when she came in and i feel like it should be the opposite way to where steven should be the main personality and marcus who he flips to to protect himself from the beatings and the abuse do, do, am, am i making that make sense guys you yeah do. that makes yes i think well so do you guys know about moon knight like i don't know anything other than what we've seen a very little bit very little bit so is there do we know if there's definitively a third personality yes there yeah there is so I feel like those areas that don't interlap correctly are because of it, because there's been several throughout the season and a couple that like even Mark himself has mentioned where like, you know, the first time you really see him and Conchu going at it in the courtyard and Mark is talking to Steven, he refers to the owner of the body. Hmm. And like, so he, he even refers to a third person, but you can never really tell if he's talking about Kanchu or if he's talking about the third personality. And then like, anytime he's got a reflection, there's that third one. Right. And also um, his accent has slipped, not slipped up, but his accent has changed to mm -hmm. something else a few times, yeah. especially in this last episode. It switched up like twice that I could count. Where it was, there was so much. Yeah. It was like one time while he was like in the room with Ethan Hawke and it switched up to an accent that wasn't Mark or Steven. And so I feel like that's that, so that could have been like the well, my, well, my thing it. is like also but but Mark remembers the beatings though. Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. So like that doesn't make sense because it's like that he should black out at that part if right. Steven's taking over. Right. Yeah. 
So I don't, I don't know. Like the series is enough. Well, there's one more. Well, may, maybe he uses Steven. I mean, not the creation of Steven, but going forward is when he not feels safe. That's not the right word. So, okay. Not including when he created Steven, but going forward, when will, what, what is the reason why he switches to Steven? Right. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I thought it would be like as a protective mechanism to like hit his, like the, the original personality, if I'm saying, if I'm using the term correctly, of Mark is like, I can't handle what's happening. So I'm going to be Steven now. And Steven's going to get the abuse from my mother. But Mark remembers it, but Steven doesn't. I'm not sure what the point of Steven is. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Because I was thinking, because um, his wife, what's his wife's name? Layla. Layla. Maybe Layla is his um, happy place. Because where whenever Marcus was Layla, she didn't know Steven was there until, you know, shit is the fan. Because he never had to be Steven in front of her. Maybe she is the catalyst for him like, controlling or feeling good where he doesn't need Steven. Hmm. perhaps i mean that's a good take i'm curious very curious to see how they're gonna play it out because i feel like for there only being one episode and them saying that there's not going to be another season already that there's still a lot of things that need to be tied up you would think like it, it just it feels like there's an overwhelming amount still going on that's actively going on so i'm i'm excited about this next week right because i and not like this show of all the other Marvel ones, it's more detailed to where, like, there's so many questions with the character itself. Normally, like, with WandaVision and stuff, it was more like what's going to happen next, where, like, you understood what's going on. But I like the details. And also where we don't know, well, me and Liz don't know anything about this character. So everything we're watching is brand new stuff. So, like, I, I enjoy it. Like, I like not knowing anything about this character. And every time I watch it, it's something new. Like, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So, Marvel yeah, was hitting the home run with this show. It's really exciting to have yes. something new. Like, with WandaVision, I love Scarlet Witch. I've loved her since I was 12 years old. So, like, all of this stuff that's going on with her, like, I was able to put together before it was happening. Because I was like, oh, they're pulling from this. Or they're pulling from this. And it's fun to know and to see them play it out but at the same time to have something brand new something that's like fresh and shiny that a lot of people didn't know about or even just you yourself and like how well marvel writes their script thinks things through does their casting like it's 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 a lot of fun right now to be on the marvel ride <laughs> no I right, right so i agree, agree. So before we hop on to this week's movie, um, it is Mother's Day. And I just want to, you know, you're our mother, Liz, and that's part of the reason why you're here this weekend. Just kind of what, what's true. your take on motherhood and all that jazz? It's rough. <laughs> okay. Um, so a little background. I have two 12-year-olds. Uh, they are not both mine biologically. One is my stepson, but they are only 10 hours apart. They were born at the same hospital at the same day, but me and my husband didn't know each other at the time. So it's really funny 
to see them. And we've been together for seven years. So the boys have basically grown up together to where, and we have them most of the time too. So it's, um, we're at the preteen stage right now where they have found their, um, their sass and their attitudes <laughs> and they're learning really quick that they cannot go against mom and dad. But um, it's fun to be able to put puzzle pieces together of like how, where your kids pick up traits or things from, but you're worried all the time. I mean, like you don't know anything other than a state of worry when you're a parent, whether they're with you, whether they're not with you. Like my son had two ER trips and both of them were like the perfect scenario. The first time he was, his dad got up to walk five feet away from him and get a soda and had his back turned for literally like two seconds. And my son grabbed a wire and pulled one of those big eighties box speakers down on top of his head. Oh no. And he had to get, we had to rush him to the ER so they could literally glue his head back together. But I mean, his dad was right there. And I'm not saying this to like knock his dad, like, oh, his dad wasn't watching. His dad was totally watching him. His dad went to get a drink. Like, and he did that. And then the second time when he had to get plastic surgery, all he was doing was walking across the floor and he tripped and a toy happened to go through the bottom part of his lip. So, I mean, and, you know, his babysitter was right there. It was just the kid tripped on a toy. I mean, it happens. And it's just so funny to think about, like, even when you're with them, you have to worry about them. Yes. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you love them with every ounce of your being, and they drive you insane with every ounce of your being just the same. No, Facts. Like today, <laughs> me and my daughter, we were off for a nice walk because the weather was nice. And it's like <laughs> the streets are literally calling her to run into them so a car yeah. can hit her. Just willy nilly because <laughs> it's wide, it's open, it's where she needs to run. Yes. Like that's exactly what goes through their little minds. And as a parent, it's so hard because you know and they don't. And it's almost like, being a trainer when you have to like try and explain these new materials it's like you have to break stuff down all the time to a kindergarten level because you might know something that's as easy as breathing please and thank you to say please and thank you to somebody Mm -hmm. it's as easy as breathing to you somebody hands you something oh thank you thank you very much a little kid they're not gonna know they're gonna be like oh thanks or just snatch it and walk away and it's like (laughs) as you you should give this to me (laughs) yeah like you have to teach them how to be people not just like keep them alive or clean or whatever but like you have to actually teach other people how to people right and it's yeah i mean i'd never change it i would i wouldn't go back and do it but i wouldn't change that i did it (laughs) but it's it's a lot it's rewarding though it has its moments like i have a picture that I've been saving that my son drew when he was like eight and it's a pirate ship being taken down by an octopus under the water and then there's a little lifeboat off to the side that has little stick people in it and a bubble over top of it that just says shit (laughs) (laughs) it's the best piece of art he has ever made 
and I will frame that when he is in high school. But it's just like they do stuff like that, and then all of a sudden everything's okay again. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's like one minute they can do something that is gonna get on your last nerves, and then they will just do something so simple like a drawing or just say like, uh, "Daddy, I love you," and then like next thing you know, uh, this is my angel. But even though like yeah. five seconds earlier he was a he was a demon, this yeah. is just some the simple, and I was like. Oh. This is the best thing I've ever done in my life. Is yes. it's it's my son? Yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> no, that's real. I mean, it's it's the most real job you can ever have. It keeps you on your toes, definitely. All the time. And I'm sorry, I don't know that it gets better. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm I'm ex- uh, I'm expecting it all to be downhill from here. I mean, that's all <laughs> that I hear. I, that's all that I'm I'm observing. Well, and it's like, I've got a really funny situation because my boys are the exact same age, but then my niece that I'm closest with, she's only two months younger than my boys. So the three of them, I I will put money on it. When they turn 18, they will get matching tattoos because they are just (laughs) thick as thieves. They're on Xbox together every night, even though she lives in Chicago. Like they- I mean, they stay in the same time zone. Yeah, but I mean- I used to have her like I'd get her on um, like we had it set up where I'd get her like once a month or whatever when they live down here. But now that they can't see each other, like those kids are still they got cell phones just to talk to each other. They get on their Xbox. They have like all these little they're always in each other's business and life all the time. That's good. They got their own little crew to look out for each other. That's good. Couldn't have planned it better if I did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, let's keep this choo-choo train going and let's discuss this week's movie, I Am Mother. Why aren't there any more children, Mother? There used to be. Then why did you only make one? Mothers need time to learn. This facility was designed to give humanity a second chance, one that began with you. So that we could do this together. Daughter, your whole life I've taught you to see the bigger picture. Everything I do is to protect you. A teenage girl is raised by a robot designed to repopulate the earth. Their bond is tested when a stranger arrives with alarming news. Liz, what did you think of? I am mother. So these movies honestly freak me out because I totally can see this technology happening. So I get like freaked out from the aspect of possibility and like with the mother's logic through it and the fact that it kind of makes sense. I just, it it made me nervous. (laughs) (laughs) I mean every day we're hearing news about like the world could be ending and i'm sure there are facilities that have a shit ton of embryos do you think that's real because that's in every sci-fi movie about repopulation possibly i always wonder that 
I'm sure somewhere in some doomsday bunker. <laughs> we've got something like that. Yeah, the CDC or somebody has something like that. Now, I, mean, I don't really want to think about like where no. they would have gotten embryos and shit from, but let's not think about that. But, you know. We'll think that they were scientific donations. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, like, it was visually well done. Mm-hmm. It I it was very fluid. It's really hard for me to like kind of break it down because it it was very tense. It was a five million dollar budget. Dang, I mean it showed. It was well done. No, no, it didn't show. I would have. I, I, I thought that it, they spent more on it. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay, yeah. So that still seems well. No, I guess not. Well, I read something too that they had used an actual prop suit for Mother versus CG. Yeah, yeah. Mother I, was a man in a suit. And I feel like that always adds a much better element to films, especially when they have to do with like spacey stuff. Just yeah, because they got it gives something them to something act to of. act with. Yeah. Like uh, the first Alien movie where mm-hmm, that was a exactly. man in a suit. Yeah. I think that gives a lot more depth to the screenplay of what's going on. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Um, towards the end, okay, kind of questionable. But overall, I like the concept of it. I like Mother. Like It's funny because for some reason, I was rooting for Mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was rooting for Mother to do, she's, on the, she's doing the right thing. <laughs> and as the story progressed, and then... Um, what they call her, the woman shows up and then I'm like, man, hope this woman's lying. I don't want, I don't want mother to be what she says she is. So then as the story progresses and then I was still on mother's side, I'm like, oh no, she's just doing this just to protect them and everything because he's trying (laughs) to protect the daughter. But then once she discovers the bodies and the the bird thing, I was like, damn it, mother. All right. (laughs) But then like, I understand it. It might not be right. But she wanted to populate the earth, not in her image. That's not the right word. In a better image. Right. So she raised the kids. I They didn't pass a test. She dealt with them. But the only thing is, they didn't really explain. So we know the human population went to shit, and then the robots took over, or assuming the robots took over, or did the robots took over because the humans were going to shit. If you mean, like, did they start these extinction, uh, the extinction of humans? Yeah, I think, yeah. think you've seen the Terminator movies, right? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so the whole, he said he's not into that nerd shit list. Terminator's like action though. So the inciting incident of uh, the Terminator movies was that we as people recreated this program called Skynet that was supposed to make everything better. And Skynet, you know, analyzed some shit and they was like, oh, if you guys want like a perfect earth, you got to get rid of humans because you guys are bringing this shit down. So I assume that that's kind of what happened here. Um, Mother was like hey humans are the actual problem i'm not saying that there can't ever be humans just you humans aren't the aren't doing it so we're just gonna reboot we're gonna kill all the humans 
and we're going to just create a new. But then another thing I have is two parts. So at the end, when mother came to woman and she was like, you've, uh, you think you survived or whatever, because basically you survived because I let you survive. Right. Was she, was she implying that she was one of the daughters? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is gonna dip into trivia, but um, so you know at the beginning when it was like thirteen thousand eight hundred and sixty-seven days have passed since the extinction level event. That's thirty-eight years, mm-hmm. and daughter was like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. So woman was the first uh, embryo, embryo that uh, was created. And she released her into the wild at some point to be raised by the humans so that at some point she could come back around and show whatever version of daughter that would have been alive at that point that the outside world is on some bullshit. This is all of this was a test. This was the true final test that mother set up. And the little girl at the very beginning that we see that was putting the stickers on mother, she's dead. She's the one that died. She's the one that mother killed. Number two. Yeah. And so daughter is, is child number three. Oh. So then all right, my next question is, who shot woman? One of the robots. Well, mother. Ba- mother is all the robots. A robot shot her. Right. I find because uh, I'm I'm confused as why did I mean so woman knew this is where she does does she know where she came from? she knows where she I came don't from, think right? so no no because she so. was a baby whenever she was given to the people in the cape wasn't she yeah, yeah. so I don't think she ever knew uh okay because my thing is like the whole um her interacting with the daughter when she mm-hmm. first meets her and everything, I was just confused of, and then like even understand her being um, worried about the robots and everything. But then once she fixed her up, why wouldn't she just leave? Why did she fabricate? Like I don't understand what was the point of her wanting to. Was it just loneliness because yeah. she was the only one yeah. out there, so she just wanted yeah. somebody with her? Yeah, and she mm, felt like okay. since she was raised by mother, she wasn't going to be as ruthless as the other humans that was out here scrapping and shit. Because she kept trying yeah. to help her and all that. And the last question is, when she brought them, when she got back to her little home in the Connex box, and then she was like, yeah, the other humans were got, she didn't, she, I forget the word she used, but basically she was implying that was cannibalism, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Yeah, because we're gross when we're desperate as people. Yes. Right. Which is right. kind of what mother was trying to stomp out. When you think of mother's logic through it, it's like you can't, like you were saying, you kind of almost root for mother. Mm-hmm. Right, because she's right. <laughs> yeah. And the last question I have is, or the thing is, at the end, when she, when a daughter shoots mother, mm-hmm. why? I mean, it's not like he killed her. We, she already established that she's everywhere. So what was the, the, the point of her killing yeah. that that is the robot. absolutely last thing because that's essentially the uh the baby bird leaving the nest that's saying umbilical cord being cut right i oh, no okay. longer need you mother but mm-hmm. she's there she's around but i don't right. need you okay yeah. um i absolutely love this movie like 
honestly, I was a little bit worried. Like we were looking for something for Mother's Day, like something to, you know, the themes of motherhood and whatnot. And I remember seeing this trailer like last year or whenever this movie came out. And I was like, this looks like it's uh, some of that Netflix bullshit. And and everybody knows um, what I mean when I say that. But this was quite good. Like this reminded me of like, those independent sci-fi movies that you saw like in the early 2000s of like directors that are like huge now this is really competent like I feel like this is not a Netflix a true Netflix original where Netflix was like make a movie this is like a situation where people made a movie and Netflix was like oh we'll give you money to put that on our platform because this is actually good (laughs) yeah my only like thing I would poke back at this movie on is that while I do 100% understand uh, mother's logic I don't feel like it's fully sound because like yes you raising daughter she's going to turn out to be a decent individual but uh, just like when we start to um, copy papers like copy documents and we keep copying a copy of a copy it's going to degrade it's going to degrade so uh-huh. daughter is going to do a decent job raising brother, but brother's not going to do as good of a job as daughter and so on and so forth until we eventually get back to where we started. Basically. Right. So that's the only flawed logic I see in mother's plan. But yeah, this movie was excellent. I don't really think mother planned to get shot. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I mean... I, I because even though you can tell that all of it was was a test leading up to, I don't think she necessarily saw that aspect of the ending. Yeah, that's fair. So maybe she planned to be there. Hmm. Guiding hand. Yeah, the grandmother. Of- <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think the Rotten Tomatoes is on this movie? Thirty six. Damn! Damn! Damn. I only say that because movies that I like always tend to have really low ratings. All right. I'm going to stop you right there. Um, I'm going to say 70. I'm going to stop you right there. Don't go below 75. Really? Let's go with a 90 then. 93. 91%. With 74 reviews. It has a 75 audience score with over a thousand reviews. That's pretty awesome. Wow. Right. I I mean, I wouldn't expect it either. Like, it's sci-fi, too. So It's Netflix. Right. And that's always kind of touchy. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, All right. This week's trivia question. I Am Mother is the first of three collaborations Hilary Swank did with Netflix. She starred in a series called Away and appeared in five episodes of which Netflix original? A- Cobra Kai, B, Bojack Horseman, C, Grace and Frankie, or D, Disenchantment? I'm going to go with Bojack. I'm thinking that too. Why are you guys thinking that? Honestly, you won't like my answer. Oh, okay. I just like the name. I feel like it's ringing a bell, whereas the other ones aren't really for her. Have you never seen Bojack? Mm Mm-mm. So funny enough, I beta tested this question with six people and all six people got it wrong. 
uh everybody went for disenchantment and i was hoping that i was gonna throw you guys off with cobra kai because you guys know that she was in the fourth karate kid movie yeah uh the answer is bojack so congratulations to you both well yeah because i knew she wasn't in cobra kai because i've known um people have already been talking they want her in this yes i know i I know she's (laughs) Right, but uh, she hasn't been, so I knew it wasn't that one. <laughs> and so I was just trying to think of like, hmm, what's the Netflix show that it would you would think Hillary Swank was in? Because it's like Disenchantment. Who doesn't want to work with Matt Groening, right? Right. And then it's I mean, like a lot of people would be in that one, even if it was just for like one episode. Exactly. That would be cool. Like of yeah. all the people that have been on Simpsons and Futurama. Right? Exactly. And then Grace and Frankie. I personally never seen it, but like. Swank could have probably been on that, right? Maybe, huh? It's got women, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. It's solid. You seen it? No, I haven't seen it. <laughs> no. <I> see. <laughs> um. All right, so we. Kinda... Oh, dude, I don't watch anything. <laughs> That's fair. Um. So we kind of ran through most of the trivia I had. The only thing that I that we didn't say was um. The book that woman uses to draw her sketches in is a paperback copy of Edgar Rice Burroughs' The Gods of Mars. Uh, There are thematic similarities between the book and the film. Both features characters that are being misled about the true nature of the world they live in and the arrival of an outsider exposing the deception. So this has been a very fun episode. Um... Thank you for coming out and, you know, um, schedules aligning, Liz. Appreciate that so much. Thank you both for having me. We appreciate you. There's some stuff that I want to get, you know, talk about, but, you know, we're we're already, I wouldn't say overtime, but we've been going a while. So, um, yeah, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we get out of here, lady? your local library because it's the only place where it's acceptable to just be quiet (laughs) (laughs) and thank you so much for listening please rate like and review our podcast on your platform of choice if you have any feedback please email us at we used to talk pod at gmail.com like our facebook page we used to talk about this at work and follow us on twitter instagram and tiktok at we used to talk pod Next week, come back and um, let's see Tom Holland try something that's not Spider-Man in Uncharted. Also, free comic book day is today. Go get some free comic books, people. Yeah. Yeah, And I want to send a happy, happy, happy Mother's Day to Leslie and Deborah. And like always, I don't know if this was a good episode. I don't know if it was a bad episode. But whatever you think about it, talk about it at work. Thank you for listening.